It's almost the weekend. It's almost the weekend. Welcome. Hello. Hello. It's good to be here on another It's Almost the Weekend. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, here we are once again. <laughs> I don't know what this uh, like stop-started energy that I'm bringing this weekend. <laughs> it's too chaotic. I, mean, I feel like I can't it, wield it. Oh my god. I mean, things are weird right now, right? Mm. Like, it's the middle of Australian summer, and I'm in, like, a jumper and jeans under a thick blanket. Like, it's it's freezing right now. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with the weather, man. We just had, like, with the weather, man, we um we had, like, a heap of rain last night. I woke up several times here, and the rain come down. I'm like, Jesus, it was, like, boiling hot the other day. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> that that climate change it's coming to get it's, us yeah 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 bring it on i say wish wash us wash us clean climate change <laughs> <laughs> we're praying for tidal waves praying for um what is it um not thermonuclear summer but what's the one um fiery wasteland some, some sort of fiery wasteland it's probably yeah, what we're gonna yeah. get here i think we're like the close enough to the equator where the sun will burn us to a crisp hopefully that's that's true. That's, yeah, that's our one kind of fingers crossed moment right there. Yeah. We don't have to put up with the cold. We'll just burn. <laughs> there won't be enough. Yeah. We, so, there won't be uh, any water, so we'll be fine. When you're not in, like, a K-hole anxiety spiral, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, K-hole. Um, that stuff doesn't send me into a K-hole anxiety spiral. I don't know why. I was speaking to, I was speaking to my friend about this the other day because she's quite, uh, not upset, but it just sent, tends to send her into that kind of sadness spiral or just, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, not upset. What's the word I'm searching for? Sort of um, general malaise, sort of, like, unwilling to do anything meaningful as a result. Or feeling, right, feeling like, like a lack of it, meaning or emotion as a result. It's depressing. Yeah, it's depressing in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but me, I don't know why. I just, I feel like nothing, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't really, I don't feel much when I think about it. And maybe it's just some form of ahedonia where I don't feel anything at all these days. Mm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, next time on Joe's Psychology Corner. Uh, <laughs> But I, uh, what did you ask? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are so far off the rails. We're like in a dinghy. We started on a train two minutes, 50 seconds in. We're in the dinghy. We've got no paddles. We're deep, we're just, deep in the dinghy. Yeah, we're just circulating around a whirlpool yep. um, of confusion. Yeah, I asked how, how you are, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, um, great. I'm doing fine. The week was good. Had a fun week at work. Um, nice. Didn't really get up to too much else. I feel like, you know, I got basically, you know, a pretty big holiday, came back to work, immediately went back into that, like, end of year, not burnout zone, but just, like, get home from work, have dinner, go to bed, you know? Like, yeah, no yeah. energy to, to do any of those side projects that I feel like I should should have been energized after a holiday to get back into, so... Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I always found going back in January really hard. Yeah. And I think, like, when when I used to go back to work, I would spend, like, two weeks not wearing a suit. And I remember that first day of going back to work and having to don the suit. Mm. And I'd just look at the suit and be like, I fucking hate suits so much. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I feel you. I get you. It- January's, January's not always good. Yeah, anything you have to don in order to go to work is not a good time, I think. If you if you if the word don is in your lexicon, you're generally having a bad time. 
Oh my god. Yeah, for real. Mm-hmm. For real. Um, You've been playing any video games? Yeah, man. I've been playing some video games. Let me tell you about them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been playing Tarkov. Getting into some oh, Tarkov. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like the other night I was like, oh, I've got like, it's like 9.30 or nearly 10 o'clock. I'm trying to go to bed at like 10.30, 10.45. So I'll play a scav run. Um, mm-hmm. Which is just like the little free character you get where you just get to run in and grab some stuff and get out. And um, if, if they die, it doesn't really matter. You just get another one right. in 20 minutes. They're just like little freebie guys. Um, yep. And so uh, I booted up the game, spent 45 minutes doing inventory management, reorganizing all of my items. Then I oh did a scav God. run. And then I did a PMC run. And then I did another scav run. And then it was midnight. And so I'm. <laughs> I played that game. Um, <laughs> did you did you pull off your um, uh, like, uh, wartime photographer roleplay thing? No, you going for? I want to do that. I want to stream that. So I want to get to the point where I'm like comfortable enough with a couple maps where I know how to extract without having to like have maps up on my second monitor and like know how to right. like, survive. Yeah. Um, okay. And also have enough items to just sort of be able to sustain myself if i lose everything repeatedly which is i feel what's going to happen yeah um, yeah fair yeah, i'm still in like setup mode um which is fine i'm still enjoying that it's not a sure sick sick, uh, sick. and i've been playing a little bit of moon scars oh yeah cool um and i've been playing a little bit of a hi-fi rush oh my god yeah, I've been playing a lot of Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Keen to hear what your further... I've only sort of done that first boss and a little bit extra after that. I haven't gotten any further. Uh, though I've been right. very keen to play. I just haven't had the... Like I say, I get home and I'm just like, eh, fuck, most nights. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's been a really nice distraction when I haven't been feeling great because mm. it's just really fun. Like, it doesn't, doesn't really ask that much of you it's uh yeah it's got this great thing around the combat right because you're like punching fools to the beat Mm. um but it doesn't punish you for fucking up and i love that so it's just like i don't know i i'm like maybe five or six levels in and like i just it's i haven't failed like a combat arena or anything like that and i've not even felt like i've been close even though like a lot of the time my timing accuracy is like 50 percent. yeah right yeah <laughs> and it's just i love it for that and you can just jump in and have a good time and and get your groove on and yeah hell um, yeah dude really good set of options in hi-fi rush they gave you the uh, options when you booted the game up and i loved yeah. that i was like this is this is the answer <laughs> to my tomfoolery <laughs> yeah they force it on you yeah um yeah and one one of my favorite things when i play video games is like playing in a different language and oh. like they've got so many different languages wow. um so like every mission i do i do in a different language and it's been really fun oh, that's awesome hell yeah um oh wow so you can just change midway through and it just like swaps over straight away um so you got to go back to the menu but you know in between missions you go you're like in this chill zone with the couch and stuff yeah yeah yeah. um and it's just yeah it's really quick go back to the menu change it from like spanish to italian or whatever and jump back in and and it's just yeah it's you know hardly any loading or whatever but yeah it's just really fun to kind of i played the first mission in english so i kind of got the vibe and all that but yeah it's uh 
it's sick hearing, you know, all the characters just change from like French to English to German. And yeah, I, I love that shit. That's cool. Yeah. The people, so this is an interesting thing that I found cropped up as this game was reaching sort of semi-popularity on its release, despite no marketing mm -hmm. at all, sort of came out of nowhere, mm -hmm. um, was its contrast to Forspoken's dialogue, where Forspoken was going for a similar sort of, you know, tongue-in-cheeky, a bit, um, what's the word, uh, over-the-top style characterization of the main character's dialogue, where they're like, oh, I don't, I can't believe that just happened, sort of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. And how everyone seemed to be totally fine with the execution of it in Hi-Fi Rush, um, but um, repulsed by it in Forspoken. And I think that's just, like, such an important thing to take note of, because it wasn't the same thing. One game had a completely different tone to the other. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah. Yeah, it's so important, you know? Like, people really need the right tone, the right context in order to be able to, like, accept that silly style of writing and have it be, you know, not um, so caustic and uh, an affront to them. Because, like, it, yeah. yeah, in Forspoken, it was just, like, immediately, like, oh, what the heck? I hate this. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But in Hi-Fi Rush, you don't even notice it. Like, he's just wisecracking little guy, and he doesn't speak that much, and the tone sort of carries you there. It's fine. Yeah, I think you're, you're right. Like, tone is a, big, is a big player in that, like, self-referential kind of... I don't know if it's egotistical, but it, you know, just, just that kind of wanky, mm. whoa, did that just happen type writing. Yeah. Um, with Hi-Fi Rush, like, the whole level is moving to a beat and, yeah. like, you know, there's a bit that I just played with a volcano and, like, this is like a fully animated volcano with all these shards moving to different beats and I was just like, it's just so much fun, Yeah. you know, like, when you're main characters like oh my god i'm so fucking good i'm like oh my god yeah <laughs> like you can just look past it because everything yeah. is just so kind of i don't know it just feels like pure entertainment yeah. but like when the tone is like introspective and i mean i haven't seen that much of forespoken to be honest but i've seen like a, a couple of scenes yeah um that you know just a couple of like youtubers that i follow have have touched on and it just yeah i mean it just seems like they're trying to establish like an emotional relationship between mm. the player and the character with that yeah. kind of self-referential stuff and it's that's just not like a good idea yeah. you know like i'm not emotionally connected to the hi-fi rush dude no. because of that no. like it's not an emotional kind of deal if that makes sense yeah yeah i would love to go like maybe we should do another episode at some point on tone and be like and go into this a little bit because there's a lot i think there's a lot here that can be yeah the thought ribbons are springing forth as you're speaking so that's a, that's always a good <laughs> yeah. sign yeah we can do tone and like dude did you know forspoken was a uh like a playstation exclusive uh i thought it came out on pc did it not Oh, maybe it did. I don't know. I just, like, I was watching something and an ad came up for Forspoken and it had, like, the PS5 and it was, like, PlayStation exclusive. And right. I was like, oh, that's weird. that surprises me because, like, you know, a lot of the time, even though most PlayStation exclusives are, like, open world games, um, you know, even the worst of them seem to have something to offer, but I've only heard bad things about Forspoken. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, the, I, I feel like it, in a lot of cases, people who actually went and played Forspoken with an open mind and weren't like had no opinion, like a uh, interaction with the vast amounts of hate out there for it were actually, mm. they actually seem to have an okay time with it as well. But um, yeah, nice. yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I know that initially it came out on PlayStation five and that maybe it was like shortly after it was the, there was a PC release. I know that right, there was so. some issue with the um, recommended specs to play the game on PC for. It was like ridiculous. It was like, you need two forty nineties, and it wasn't that bad, but it was like, you need a <laughs> very decent expensive graphics card and, and enough, um, whatever, um, space and RAM and all that sort of shit to, to play it. Um, right. which a lot of people were like, oh, I don't know why they're even making it available on the PC. If these are the specs, you basically need a PlayStation five to enjoy it unless you've got oh, a, a beast, a uh, beastie PC. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> uh, just games we've been playing, you uh, know, yeah. a bit of Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah. You, you've been playing a fair bit. How many hours would you uh, say you're in? Uh, four? Okay. Four, maybe? And it's just, I mean, it's the perfect kind of, um, setup for me to, like, get into a new game, you know? Like, I love that classic mission setup where you just, like turn on your console, you boot up a mission, the mission is like 45 minutes, and then you're like, hell yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I it kind of reminds me of Death Stranding a little bit. Um, obviously, Death Stranding missions were way longer than 45 minutes, but I really loved the kind of flow you'd get into where, mm. like, you'd look at all the stuff you need to do, you'd look at your cargo, you'd go out, do a couple of missions, then, like the way I would like pace it towards the end of my session, I'd like spend time in like a safe zone, check my emails, chill out. Yeah. And, um, this has got a real similar vibe. You know, when I end a session, I like chat to a couple of characters. And then when I start a session, I like look at my upgrades and maybe chat to another character and get going. And it's just like, it's just really chill and really fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think people talk a lot about pace, uh, in games with regards to like, the way the main stuff flows but the mm -hmm. oftentimes forget about that aspect of games as well where you're like just vibing <laughs> you know like that yeah. i feel like that, yeah. that's really important to pace and like that's kind of the same thing as like spending time in menus right like that affects pace too mm. um so yeah it's another interesting little thought bubble exercise but um yeah i love that about death stranding as well the way that you would it sort of encouraged you to just chill for a little bit and read some emails and listen to some music and um, spend time with BB in like a, a hot spring or whatever. Mm. Um, same thing in um, Red Dead Redemption, the, the way that it split missions up between going out in the open world, coming back to camp, doing heists right. and stuff. Um, the camp was a really fantastic way to like tell the story of a lot of the people in the game. Um, yeah, right. Man, I... I keep hearing about red dead redemption and i keep hearing about like it's slow animation and how like it kind of forces you into this meandering groove mm -hmm. and i gotta say like the last couple of games that are about stopping and like smelling the roses i've really enjoyed so i think like i think i'm kind of primed to get into that yeah. kind of pace at the moment yeah there is another game that just came out. I'm trying, I'm desperately trying to remember the name of it. We've mentioned it before on the podcast. It's about a lady who's at like in this town at the end of the world. And she's like recording stuff 
like taking photos and doing audio recording. It's called Season, I think. No. Season. Wow, I think it's Season. That sounds cool. Yeah, Season game. Let me just do it quick. Yeah, Season. Season just came out. Um, right. And it's on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and PC. Um, and yeah, it's, it's doing real good reviews. It, it might not be for me because just how slow it looks. <laughs> but, right. But it right. might be for you. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's sort of like a real meditative, slow, pretty experience where you are um, you've got like a journal and you're pasting stuff in there like scrapbook style, and um, making little remarks and notes and taking photos of stuff that's going on around you to sort of record the um, state of this place before it goes away. The theme of senescence right. comes up again. Oh shit! Yeah. Love that. Mm. Love that. It has uh, Kentucky Route Zero just been at the back of your mind, slowly blossoming and taking <laughs> up more space in your brain. Um, I spoke about it with Lebos the other day. I actually read him the review that I wrote, that little two paragraph. Um, the ghost oh, is green. Oh, God. Tree, the tree what, green ghost what, did he, he loved, what did he say? <laughs> he loved it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah, we had a sort of similar discussion that, that you and I had about it, where it was like, I feel like I sort of messed up in various regards, and the way that I ended up feeling about the game felt much like something from the game. Um, right. I feel like I was yeah. so close to getting the point, but I just wasn't in the right space to enjoy the the actual thing itself, so. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. And then I was speaking to another friend, and she was playing it when the game, I might have mentioned this, I can't remember, she was playing it as the game was coming out. So it was like chapter by oh. chapter. So every you oh, know, six cool. months or a year or whatever, you'd get another chapter. Yeah. And I was like, that. Yeah. what a wild time to be enjoying it. Playing, trying to play a game like that. Like you'd have to yeah. go back and remember what happened. Maybe, I don't know. Do you have to go back and remember what happened? I'm not sure. Yeah. Cause it took like seven years once they started releasing. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but I, yeah, I would have a real hard time like remembering all the kind of characters Right. And what they're going through, like with six month breaks or whatever. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't have the memory for that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, no, nor do I. Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's the, that's the personal update. You got any news for me? Chicken, chicken, chicks? Um, bro, okay. What? So, you know, sometimes we got this, I feel like we're in a grey groove at the moment, right? Where we got this thing, we take turns, you do a topic, I do a topic. But, like, sometimes getting the news together is, like, harder than researching a topic just because, yeah. like, the pickings are so slim. I know what you um, mean. But today I've got a whole fucking bed full of chicken for you. Like, Ugh. I want you to I want you to lay on the bed and let the seven secret herbs and spices permeate into your soft, white, pearly skin. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. We got we got a thing here. Okay. So, uh, we got our boy Jason Schreier, um, who used to work at Kotaku and is pretty solid when it comes to breaking video game news and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, he reported this week that EA and Respawn stealth cancelled a single player game set in the Titanfall slash Apex Legends universe. Oh. Um, and wow. that's real sad. Yeah, that is real sad. Respawn is doing weird shit recently. Maybe it's in your chicken, so I'm going to hold off on this news and make a quick note. But yeah, keep going. 
Oh, no, I mean, that's kind of all I've got oh. on the EA and Respawn front. Like, that's that's all that Shry had to say, say is that, you know, something got stealth cancelled in that universe. Um, yeah, right. So, But it's... Sorry, you go on, you go on. No, um, yeah, the, the Respawn, uh, this is very recent news, Shut uh, Sunset, the Apex mobile game. Oh! So you can play okay. Apex Legends on mobile, and that's been around for a while. It actually won... Um, mobile best mobile game of the year in 2022 and, dude no uh, shit yeah it got got it's getting sunsetted i think in june wow yeah ea also are closing down another one of the games that i played um it's like a oh, fuck, i forget the name of it um like a dodgeball game it's called knockout city right uh, sunsetting that in june as well um so yeah there's a few different um you know ea and respawn seem to be shutting a few different things down um mm. yeah anyway yeah. As, as you were I, I mean yeah when ea bought respawn you know everyone was scared because ea had this history of like buying studios and just shutting them down mm. um but like you know respawn churned out that star wars souls like game a couple of years back and I think they've got another one coming out this year. Yeah, that Star Wars game is on the PlayStation Plus service right now for free if you want to go and snatch it up. All right, there you go. Yeah. There you have it. Yeah. Um, have you played it? No, I haven't. I've got it, and I like I got it with the PSN thingy, and uh, I don't know if I'll ever play it, but it's there. <laughs> it's there for a really rainy day when, when I am... 89 years old and uh, have literally <laughs> gone through my entire backlog. Yeah, sick. Yeah. Sounds good. Can't can't wait. What it will be up to, like episode 9,000. <laughs> <laughs> I love the assumption that we're going to be doing the pod at like near 90 years old. Oh my God. So I mean, we're coming up on, on week 52. Are we going to do something special? Like, we've been doing it for a year and we haven't missed a week. That's I know. Like, Dude, Jay. That's like something <laughs> real podcasters do. You know, they don't miss a week. Yeah, Jamie the other day was like, you've been doing this podcast for ages and you haven't missed a week. Are you going to take a break? <laughs> and I was like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's uh... funny. So I'm, I'm sitting on the side of the bed on a couple of wads of chicken. I'm ready to recline. Put the next couple <laughs> okay. of pieces down so I can lay my weary bones. All right, here we go. I'm, I'm bringing a thick slab of chicken to your mouth right now. Um, <laughs> this, this episode is so fucked. If we lose all of our listener base with this episode, I'll be fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, Amazon has reportedly bought the rights to Tomb Raider for $600 million dues. Didn't this game get changed hands really recently, like Tencent got it or something? Or what was so, it, Embracer Group? Exactly. So that is a tidy $300 plus million profit for Embracer Group, Whoa. who bought the IP from Square Enix in May of last year. Oh my god! And what did they buy it for? Six hundred million. And they sold it for. Oh, sorry, they bought it for three hundred million. Oh, but yeah, okay. Keep in mind when Embracer Group bought that shit from Square Enix, that also included Deus Ex and some other IP. Yeah. Um, and so they've sold Amazon just the Tomb Raider IP for six hundred million. Wow, that's amazing. Why did they sell for so cheap? Like, I feel like I should have bought. The fucking Tomb Raider <laughs> franchise for this amount of money. 
I mean, I don't know if you remember, but I think it, I think it was Pete who wrote in and, and let us know that like the Square Enix CEO or whoever's running the show goes off like fortune tellers and stuff. Oh, and God. so that's, that's part of the reason why I think it sold for so little because they wanted to like capitalize on some weird crypto NFT shit oh, that, my God. you know. Yeah, yeah, just just a complete fucking mess. But you know, Embracer Group obviously stoked with that three hundred million million dollar deal originally, and already just like making huge profits within seven months. Like it's just bonkers. Square Enix are weird. Square Enix continue <laughs> to be so weird. Like they they own <laughs> Luminous Productions, which is the studio that did Forspoken, which is also the studio oh. that did Final Fantasy fifteen. That game that oh. I hate. Um, and so, <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there, man. But there's some crazy shit happening. I reckon if you walk into the Square Enix building, it's like walking into like a time capsule or something. You know, it's like back in 1998, like um, corporate Japan or something. And it's just really weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have no insight into how that company is run, but yeah, just from the outside, seeing these kind this drip feed of weird news come through, yeah, they seem like they're making a bunch of weird fucking decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on the website and it's weird. <laughs> I, have, I, have, <laughs> I, I have no insight either, but let me just tell you, this website, very strange. <laughs> very strange. Yeah, okay. Um, Man, speaking of things that have been shutting down... Though this was in no way a stealth cancellation. Uh, millions of World of Warcraft fans in China have been softly crying for the past two weeks. Actually, probably loudly crying. Um, the servers for China have been turned off indefinitely. So a licensing agreement with um, Blizzard's Chinese partner expired yeah. and hasn't been renewed Um and this applies to all of Blizzard's games. So, like, there's no Hearthstone, no Diablo, and yeah, no WoW. So, was this a... I feel like I'm, I know a little bit about this, maybe. I don't know if it's the case. But um, Blizzard and Tencent had a deal for mm -hmm. the distribution of Blizzard games in, uh, in Asia, in China. And so, right. there was a falling out with that deal recently as a result of something. I'm not sure. I think it was something like a bit of IP theft or something. I'm not sure. Um, right. And they shut down that relationship. And as a result, um, Blizz has pulled out of China. I think that's what happened. Right. I mean, which is insane. Like, think of the revenue I know. of, like, millions of WoW players on a monthly subscription. Yeah. Um, like... Yeah, this is no small loss for Blizzard. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. I didn't realise that history and like I'm just kind of spectacularly ignorant of what's going on in China on like a political level. Oh, so yeah, like yeah. I can't really comment on like that side of things because that's honestly the first thing I thought of because, you know, they've just like going onto their own grid, you know, Facebook is banned, Reddit is banned, all this kind of shit so like yeah the fact that they're cutting off their you know video game servers from the rest of the world doesn't really come as that much of a surprise yeah china's a really interesting one this is so far outside the scope, scope of the podcast but i've heard people talk about the fact that china is really going to struggle over the next 10 years with regards to like food supply and stuff right like it's just going to be really bad for china 
in the in the near term. Uh, anyway, famine. We're, famine is on its way. Entropy just around the corner. Yeah, we love Hell it. Yeah, I feel nothing. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, I got a I, I got a great one. I got a great one here. Uh Metal Gear Rising 2 <gasps> has been teased by Raiden's voice actor. <sighs> and my body is ready. Oh. Um <laughs> so Quentin Flynn, who who voices Raiden, um, he was asked in an interview if a sequel was coming and he said, and I quote Stay tuned for things to be announced in the coming weeks. Oh, my God. So, I mean, that's just something I never would have expected, but have dreamed about for a very long time. Um, man, the first Metal Gear Rising is very close to my heart. It's it's just one of those, like, perfect microcosms of, like... American political satirization that just warms my heart. I mean, like, the final boss in that game is a US senator. Yeah. Who says, make America great again. <laughs> yeah. And this is in 2013. Yeah. And it, like, yeah, incredible. I mean, I just, it's just an amazing game. And, like, I feel like I haven't played it in a really long time. And I'd love to to revisit it and see how things have changed for me. Totally. It's been on my Steam wish list for since the dawn of time and I'm waiting for it to go on sale, but it never has. It's $42.95. It's not like it's expensive, but man. Oh. I mean, $42 for a 10-year-old game. Yeah, that's, that's pretty expensive. But that's still, yeah, anyway. Wait, so have you played it? I have, yeah. I never finished it though, but I played, played it. Right. Because yeah. it's like, it's one of those magical campaigns that is only like, Six or seven hours long. Yeah, but it's like non-stop action the whole time. Oh, yeah, it's extremely high-octane yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just kind of really, really appreciate that high-density short experience. Yeah. Um, well, she... That's kind of... That's like the three... That's the meat of the three-piece feed, although there were way more than three pieces. Um, but some of the other items I've got here kind of relate to AI, so I was thinking maybe if you want to kick things off and then we can come back to some of the shit I've got here. I've, I've got a couple of chips here too. Um, oh shit, of course. And yeah, one, of them, one of them re relates to AI as well. Uh, so, you know what? Let's just stay with the news. I'm going to lay in this chicken bed a little while longer. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've been keeping up with this. You know, you're not on Twitter that much, but uh, Cult of mm. the Lamb recently hired um, a new community person. Um, their name oh, yeah. is Josie and... Um, they used to work for SMG, uh, but they recently just started like a couple of weeks ago at um, Cult of the Lamb Studio. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Massive Monster. Oh, yeah. Doing their socials. And the socials for Cult of the Lamb have just exploded. Like it's just gone completely ballistic. Basically, within the first week of her starting there, she started a feud with the Angry Birds Red uh, the Twitter account. Oh, my God. And it's just like... What does she say? Uh, tomatoes will gr go great with that burger. And it's a photo of the Rotten Tomatoes Angry Birds movie to a review page, like a front page, oh my God. where they have like a 43% for the tomato meter and a 46% audience score. Oh my God. <laughs> and then Angry Birds replied with a screenshot of the lifetime concurrent players on Steam for um, 
for Cult of the Lamb, and it's just like a sharp, <laughs> sharp drop off curve where it went from you know like six sixty thousand players a day to like basically zero. And they're like, oh "Do god. you need a parachute, or are you good?" <laughs> oh my god, that is sick. <laughs> to which Cult of the Lamb responded saying, "I made a portal to twenty ten, so you can finally be happy again." And it's like the, it's like this gif of the lamb from Cult of the Lamb opening a portal, and through there you can see a bunch of like really old memes, you know, like the the Pepe frog face and the fucking um, you know, what are those meme faces that have like all of the. You know, they're like black and white and they look like they're made in ms paint stuff and a uh, rick roll oh yeah rick roll happens back yeah, there yeah. too yep and neon cat oh flies by and then <laughs> the actually i don't know if the um the angry birds responded to that but just this morning cult of the lamb sent this picture of cult i mean the uh, the lamb from cult of the lamb and the red bird from angry birds Pashing like it's a fan art <laughs> someone oh been... what the fuck <laughs> oh, I'm, gonna, oh my I'm gonna send it to you you can look at it in your own time no no pressure to look at it right now but um it's just a fantastic piece of fan art that got credited as well which was really nice um so yeah that's Ugh. i think that's sort of capped it off i'm now everyone's sort of eagerly awaiting the return of the uh, angry birds response but that tweet has gone ballistic like it's got replies from twitch saying true romance it's got oh replies from who do we have here? Um, MSI Gaming wrote a, wrote a reply. The actual official MSI Gaming USA account. Um, oh, that's so good. There's a, a response here which I love from Atlassian Jira. You know the task management software. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Chimed in and said we didn't have a ticket ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Team Meat yeah. responded saying best feud of 2023. Like there's just so many res like official Twitter accounts responding in here. I'm, I'm here for it. I love that like Josie is just fucking knocked this one out of the park in the first two weeks. It's so impressive and so amazing. So. Hats off to wow. to her and the team. Wow. Yeah. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Go Cult of the Lamb. Yeah, well done, folks. Um, you're really doing it. Uh, and then I've got a... This is an AI-related thing here, which isn't games directly related, but it's semi-adjacent, I suppose. Uh, Netflix uh -huh. AI anime gets roasted for crediting artists as human. So there was this boy and dog an anime movie that came out, and uh, mm -hmm. it was catching a lot of flack on the internet for using AI generated backgrounds. Oh, okay. Claiming it was due to a labor shortage, quote unquote. <laughs> That's the shittiest excuse I've ever heard. Yeah. Go on. And so, I mean, this is in the news basically every other week. Uh, and if you're in animation, it's in the news basically every day, but there's a lot of mistreatment of the animators in Japan um, who work on anime. Uh, they're getting paid next to nothing. Even the highly skilled ones getting paid next to nothing. They live Fuck. in, you know, really bad situations. Some of them are homeless. Um, they're not really eating food. Apparently these places, it's just like if you walk into the animation studios, the smell is just unbearable. Um, they're just having yeah, really, really bad work situations. And like uh, these, these properties, you know, like these really huge animes are, are make breaking in billions of dollars and it's basically mm. all going to the the corpos at the top and mm. so yeah there's this program called the animators dormitory club where you can give some money um to it basically uh it's it's this it's this um dormitory project where like uh they rent out a space in the, the heart of tokyo so the animators have a nice place to live 
Um, right. And they also have programs in the dormitory to help juniors like get up to speed with their animations. So they like host little um, workshops and stuff like that within the dormitory of senior animators teaching the younger ones the ropes. Um, so fucking hell. Go ahead. And- I mean, yeah, yeah. that's it, it's it's why criticism of like corporate environments from like japanese people hit so hard yeah you know like uh persona 5 did it um hi-fi rush is doing it in a really big way like they they just basically push the satirization as far as it can go but it always makes me feel fucking weird because i'm just like oh like I hate how close to reality this is for a lot of businesses in Japan, especially yeah. corporations. Yeah. Yeah, and just the gumption of them to be like, we're going to use AI for the backgrounds and, you know, call it a labor shortage. And in fact, it's yeah. nothing to do with a labor shortage. It's agreed uh, surplus. I mean, it's just that kind of classic PR statement from the top where they're just really out of touch and there's never been any real consequences for them so yeah. like they just get to say whatever they want and there'll be a big blow up on twitter and yep, they'll still it. get their paycheck at yep. the end of the year so like why wouldn't they just do it again next year yeah yeah it, it's like there's it just needs to be a big like burn it down basically the anime industry in japan um yeah i, I think there's a couple of studios that are doing better than the others but it's not like Mm -hmm. you can just start at those studios you know it's like you really have to Mm -hmm. work your way out through the you know being homeless and eating dog food for for dinner like it doesn't it's not like you can if you have aspirations of being an animator in japan it's not like a a positive thing yeah Um, despite how much animators earn in other places in the world you know like you can Mm. be like me and live in a semi um you know, it's not like there's heaps of animation to go around here, but um, you can live in a semi-prosperous country like Australia and and do really well on animation. So, yeah. Anyway, um, that's that piece of news. <laughs> Jeez, I feel like I just dragged just really far down. No, I mean like segue into the topic. I think we need to be in the depths to talk about this shit because, yeah. like, I just feel like over the last six months the sheer growth of like ai conversation in the media has just been meteoric yeah totally it's become it it sort of reached that point right where like um it stopped being like a thing that you heard about on online and started being like on 60 minutes or on the project which is like two australian news things that we have here or like right. show up on the front page of the herald sun or what not on the front page but you know there's like you know news art news places old boomer media are catching on to the fact that this thing exists <laughs> and now it's it's becoming slightly more wide uh, widespread knowledge yeah yeah um so i guess i can just sort of jump in i guess hey eh? what do you reckon yeah yeah i mean how do you want to kick this puppy off i have loose notes <clears throat> and i kind of just wanted to bounce through them and uh, All right. try where i can to bring it back to video games because i think that's important okay cool yeah let's let's bounce around all right so, um, let's see here. These notes are real loose. <laughs> <laughs> Staring at you. You can probably see the start of my notes. It's just like, here's the name of one of the AIs. Um, oh my God. So basically, yeah. So, so basically the, the most, um, what would I say? Ubiquitous and well-known 
part of AI in recent times has been this uh, AI imaging tool. Um, right. It, it's gone through a bunch of different um, iterations and uh, ways of generating the image, but perhaps the most well-known and widely used one is this one called Stable Diffusion. Um, oh, okay. It actually, As in, is, is this the algorithm or like the name of the program? This is the name of the AI. Right, okay. Um, and so I think it's actually owned by a company called like Diffusion Labs or something. Oh, where is it? I've written here somewhere. Yeah, like Diffusion Labs, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the way I wanted to just sort of quickly dive into the way that this thing works, because I think it's pretty important to understanding about you know, why people uh, could be upset about this and the sort of implications that it has. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Because I think like the layman understanding of how AI imaging happens and even ChatGPT, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, is mm-hmm. pretty like, it's very much like a black box. It's like, oh, text goes in, image come out. That's kind of like the layman understanding, right? Mm, yeah. Um, unless you have some insight that maybe you could share because you don't, you haven't really researched this I don't think. And maybe you have some extra stuff to add to that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, like, nah, I think, Take- I think that's pretty fair. Like I obviously have no idea how like the coding behind like the AI works and like how it learns, yep. but I understand at a base level that it is basically the biggest referencing machine in our history. Because right. when you when you give it a prompt or you put a couple of words in, it references every single thing it can access on the internet, which is like, you know, pretty much everything. Mm. Like every kind of piece of documented history that we have, it can access and then produce something. So it's just like, you know, the most insane referencing tool we've ever seen. Yeah. So you're close. There's a couple of little bits of um, not right info in there and we'll go through all that sort of stuff. But yeah, you're, you're, pretty, Hell you're yeah. pretty close. All right, cool. Um, so uh, Stable Diffusion uh, works off of this method for image creation called um, diffusing, diffu- uh, Diffusion, sorry, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it's actually called Stable Diffusion. So the Diffusion model works like this. Um, we can do it on like a, a two pixel image. So imagine you've got like a, a black pixel and a white pixel, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that you feed this information to the AI is that you show it this image and then you say, okay, you see this image, now add noise to this image. And you know what noise is. Like if you have used Photoshop or mm-hmm. looked at like a fuzzy television, um, mm-hmm. you know kind of what noise looks like. It's sort of like a random um, grayscale pattern. Um, right, and you it say, kind of adds like texture or depth. Yeah, it's it's just like basically you just continually add noise step by step until the image is unrecognizable. So these two pixels become completely different to what they were before. It's no longer the same image. Right. Um, and now you can sort of apply that as well to like a picture of a dog. Like imagine you've got a picture of a dog, put put noise over there, gradually, gradually, gradually until the picture of the dog is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, you know, a noisy pattern. Uh, and then you say to the uh, to the computer to the program, okay, now reverse that process um, with the knowledge of that you have of every step of the application of noise back to the original image. So you say, you know, this pixel oh. is, is black now. We want to try. It has like you know memory of what color the pixel was prior. We're going to try and get back to that as close as we can. And so it, got, it goes through that process on a pixel by pixel basis with, with this sort of like, they call it token knowledge of like what the image actually was. 
So, you know, you say to the AI, this is a picture of a dog, you know, it doesn't have any concept of what a dog is, but it knows mm. on a pixel by pixel basis, kind of, this is what a dog is composed of um, right. based on this noise algorithm. Uh, and I'm sort of probably butchering this explanation, but um, it's, it's... I mean, that's that's kind of clear. So, like, it, it starts as an original picture, mm. it goes to something else, and then, like, Reverses. it goes back to the original, but in reversing, like, it's never going to be exactly the original again. Correct. It's going to be, like, a kind of new warped version of the original. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the... This is a really important part because it actually plays a lot into some of the lawsuits that are happening right now with regards to AI and, and, and imaging and data collection. Right. So this process of diffusion is um, kind of the, the thing that these image sets have going for them or these data sets have going for them is because it's it's a um, it's almost like a reinvention of the original image. It's it's like a copy, but it's not really the exact same thing. And it's it's sort of like a novel way to recreate the fresh pieces of work based off of the input so it's not like you're just yeah. shoving the input in and then getting stuff out it's like okay you shove the input in then it gets like processed i guess you could say mm-hmm. um and so there's this data set called the lion data set which is what um stable diffusion and a lot of other uh, imaging ai programs are, are programmed off of it's, it's one of the la- largest image data sets to exist of all time um, okay. And it consists of a lot of, you know, copyright images, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh, there's heaps of stuff on there. It's not just art. It's like Getty Images has, you know, it's uh, most of its images ripped from it. Um, and they're sort of hanging out somewhere in the in the depths of this Lion data set. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's basically the process by which AI imaging is, is created. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I was I was kind of way off. Yeah, so it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's, not I, it's not all images. It's this one specific data set, and then there's a couple of other different data sets too lying around. But I don't know what their names are. Uh, right. I assume you purchased them or have you know some way to access them, and they're probably yeah, yeah. petabytes upon petabytes of of info. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I wanted to touch on that and and sort of just give a little bit of background because there's a couple of uh, lawsuits going on right now. Microsoft, GitHub, and OpenAI are currently being sued uh, in a class action motion that accuses them of violating copyright laws by allowing Copilot, which I'll explain in a minute what Copilot is. Oh, it says it right here, a code generating AI system trained on billions of lines of code to regurgitate licensed code snippets without providing credit. So when you're programming, right. yeah, you can you can basically be writing a bit of code. The program that you're writing it in will be like, hey, just so you know, this is going to cause a bug. Here's an example of how you could potentially rewrite this uh, using right. AI. It sort of like fishes around the vast, you know, depths of its data set and says, you know, based on all of this information, we know that this is actually the correct way to, way to write this one thing. Yeah, isn't it's weird to me that github is being sued for something like that isn't the entire purpose of github that it's open source well github i believe owns uh or is in has worked with OpenAI to create this copilot oh. program oh i see okay yeah yeah yep. so you can code on github right like you can mm. write code on the on the website and yeah this mm. this this uh copilot thing is just like a yeah it's pretty cool it's you can use it to like comment code you can use it to like format code for you you can use it to like refactor code different languages it's pretty crazy it's like amazing Mm. um and uh i wanted to talk a little bit about how that relates to video games later on 
Um, yeah. There's another lawsuit happening here. Stock images supplier Getty Images uh, took Stability AI, oh, that's the name of the company, Stability AI, to court for reportedly using millions of images from its site without permission to train stable diffusion. Fuck. So that's another I one mean, happening. what does that even look like? Because you can have a copyright claim that goes to court over one image. Mm. Like, what does it look like when they've used, like, your entire library yeah. and they've not paid for it? Yeah. So there's this whole thing whether... Uh, there's this great video, actually, that... Um, corridor digital put out about the lawsuits oh, happening yeah. it's like a explain like i'm five style um explanation of the lawsuits happening and their opinions on whether or not they'll they'll go ahead and you know what what they think will actually be the outcome um mm. but a lot of it comes down to this fair use defense which will depend on whether the works generated by the ai are considered transformative um, so whether or not the copyright works are transformed in such a way that it significantly significantly varies from the original um, and there's a bit of, um, what you call a precedent set here? Um, the Supreme Court in 2001, 2001's Google versus Oracle decision suggested that using collected data to create new works can be transformative. So there's a little bit of precedent mm. in there uh, from recent times. Yeah, I mean, fair use laws have been something that have kind of always been at war with content on the internet. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, that's been a big source of frustration for like a lot of YouTube channels who are, you know, criticizing or using clips from movies or TV shows or video games. And then like, you know, depending on the radar of like the original content creators, mm -hmm. like Nintendo, for example, like for a long time, Nintendo were really um, stringent with who could use clips of their content and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yep. I don't know where they're at now, but yeah, it's like, it's in, it feels like AI is the next level, right? Like, yeah. I feel like it's kind of like a basic right to be able to criticize something, right? Mm. To have like a clip of Mario and, and criticize it, right? That kind of feels really basic, but to like have a clip of Mario and put in a prompt and like change it enough that it may not look like Mario, but like <laughs> the work of the original artists have informed like the result you get at the end. Like it's, it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so like we've talked about it in previous episodes a little bit, but the, uh, there's like an artist side of this, you know, where it's like a bunch of artists have had their, their work stolen effectively without their knowledge and it's used in this training data sets uh, to recreate their style. So, yeah. you know, like I mentioned the Kim Jung-gi po uh, person who recreated a bunch of his style or tried to recreate his style using AI. There's numerous... Wasn't that like the week of his death it was as well yeah, <laughs> yeah that really Jeez. boiled my biscuit um that's right i remember yeah. i remember you were pissed <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot of living artists as well uh, currently who are you know trying to get together lawsuits and make a big noise about this and it, it sort of created this um you know us versus them thing where it's like people who uh, on the side of wanting to, so, so it's it's kind of nuanced. I'm going to boil it down a little bit. So you know, forgive me for the the um, 
the blunt instrument which about which I'm about to use here. So on, on, <laughs> I forgive you, Joe. On <laughs> thank you. Uh, so on one side, you've got artists who work really hard and have trained basically their entire life in order to create an image, and they have the opinion that if you want to create art, then you should create art yourself, right? You should be able mm -hmm. to make your own art and create stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And that, and that, I think part of that as well that this the whole thing is highlighted is that the essence or the the, the process of creating stuff is actually joyful and, and filled with pleasure, and um, and it's it's something to be treasured and um, preserved. And then right. the other side of it is this sort of like this is where it gets a little bit nuanced. Is is the side that's like okay, anyone should be able to create art if they want to, and they should be able to have it be instantaneous and mm -hmm um free and it should be of a high should be able to be of a high quality without effort if they want that to be the case mm -hmm. um and so the feud begins where it's like um okay you know the artists are like fine but <laughs> if if you want to do that then don't steal from us <laughs> <laughs> and the ai are like too late bro the genie's out of the bottle like we're gonna mm. be, we're gonna do what we want and art, they're basically putting artists uh under the boot and saying like you know you you've served your purpose now now, now our time has come and uh, mm. to to you know use you and it's like well you know fuck you know artists have been at, uh, under the boot for quite a while you know not not doing too well you know like having having a lot of stuff stolen from them by their employers over the years and it just seems like another kick in the guts a little bit in my opinion yeah well i feel like the people who are fronting the side of the feud where they're like art should be free and blah 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 it, it like and again this is hugely judgmental <laughs> but for for me it just feels like they're the type of people who like reach out to web designers and get a quote and then they yeah. get the quote and they're like whoa this is way too much like you know i i'm only paying you for like 5 hours work and it's like well no you're not you're paying them for their 10 years of experience <laughs> yeah. as a web designer yeah. like it seems like a really simple concept that a lot of people struggle with. Totally. Yeah. Um, so there's that aspect there sort of lingering in the background, right? So you've got a bunch of stuff that's been stolen, uh, a bunch of artists that are angry, a bunch of tech bros that are happy uh, or sort of, you know, uh, <laughs> gloating, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So th there's that sort of churning away in the background. Um, the other thing that came up very recently, and this is a huge issue um, that's outside of games, though it probably will make its way into games just because of the way these two industries tend to overlap. Um, mm -hmm. Deep fake porn of p famous people has surfaced, uh, which is huge. Like, in terms of consent issues, this is massive, right? Like you can basically use an AI to deep fake. Uh, someone's face onto someone else's body and release it as porn of that person. Right. There's already been OnlyFans accounts made of people who don't exist um, and uh, people who do exist and people are earning money from these AI-generated porn images. Whoa, that is fucking wild. Yes. That kind of blows my mind because, like, you think of an industry like the porn industry... And you're like, what if the porn industry in the future didn't involve people? Yes. <laughs> like, well, that's kind of where we're at. 
<laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how to how to I don't even know what to say. Yeah, this is this is ridiculous. So it sort of boiled to the surface very recently. This week, uh, a famous streamer was caught tabbing through. This is he was so stupid for doing this. Basically, he was streaming. He had some porn up in one of his other windows, and he like alt tabbed. And when you alt tab in Windows, it sort of shows you really quickly what all of the other windows have on them, right? You've oh, seen sure. this before. And so one yeah. of the windows had this porn website, and it had like a bunch of famous streamers on the screen nude but they obviously had never taken nude images they were ai generated deep fakes of these of his friends basically fellow streamers and, oh, and he oh, like yeah jeez yeah jeez that's i mean that's this is this is the problem with fucking kids making hundreds of thousands of dollars right yeah. like it just it happens so quickly that they don't know what it is to fail and to like fucking learn lessons like yeah. when you're streaming don't have don't porn open anywhere bro. yeah i know i know it, it, this seems so stupid but it's amazing that it happened and it's sort of yeah. i'm i'm not glad that it happened but it's pulled it, it's pulled it to the public conscious a little bit which is good um yeah fucking hell let alone your mates like holy i shit. know i know holy shit yes Oh my god! Yeah. So there's like videos of him like crying, apologizing, all this sort of shit. Whatever, it doesn't matter. All the all the fallout fallout to me doesn't really matter about his you know no. on his side story. It's more about like, okay, so now we have this issue where you know anyone who has a you know large amount of their imagery online, any videos of them, you know probably to the length of about a couple of hours, can probably use that to train an AI to create these deepfake images, explicit or otherwise. Um, there's also, I was looking at uh, just this week as well, um, a lot of voice acting stuff has been um, ha has been the focus of some AI teams. So they take a bunch of audio and use it to train an AI, AI to recreate that person's voice. And you can do right. it with text. You can make them say whatever you want, or you can actually live change your voice to sound like the other person's voice, which is crazy. So, Which is like, I mean, I feel like that in itself is just so fucked up. Yeah. And the most weird example of it um that i've heard of is um do you know anthony bourdain yes the chef turned journalist he does an amazing tv show called parts unknown which is my favorite tv show ever yep. anyway he died in 2018 in 2020 a documentary came out called roadrunner and it is narrated by his voice right because they just put, you know, the literally hundreds of hours yeah. of, like, Anthony Bourdain content into this AI thing. Yeah. And, like, he's dead and, like, it's about his life. And, you know, he was a deeply troubled person. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually haven't seen that documentary. I'm, I'm really interested in seeing it. But, like, I heard about the, the voice thing and I was like, fuck, that seems so weird yeah like yeah i it it makes me feel really weird right because i feel like i've seen a lot of anthony bourdain and i'm like invested in his persona you yeah. know the kind of um things that he stands for and i just feel like the creators of that movie who were made by like you know people he knew really well while he was alive right. making that choice to like you know, there's plenty of voice actors, actors that could have filled that role 
and I don't think it would have been any less impactful as a film, you know, like I'm not sure anything would have been lost yeah. to do that. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. It kind of makes me uncomfortable. Right. Cause yeah. like the dude's dead and you're putting words in his mouth. Yeah. Like that is really strange to me. Super strange. Um, yeah. It, it brings up this really weird human thing, right. Where like, where, this is a little bit outside of the scope of the podcast and I'll try and make it quick, but, um, it, it, it brings <laughs> up, no, this, fuck it. Uh, oh, we're already at an hour. Uh, <laughs> it brings up this superhuman thing where it's like, we, we yearn for this, like, you know, there's a little nostalgia in there. There's the, like the sex thing that we're talking about before. There's this, you know, mm-hmm. we want to like press the Skinner box button to get the reward. Like that's kind of what, mm. where we're at. Right. And with mm-hmm. this set of AI things that are happening, it's like, oh, well, when, um, you know, Anthony Bourdain dies, we can just, like, make more of his content because we have hours of his stuff. When, right. um, the, what's his name? The do- the Docker guy who's, like, he's old now. Um, oh, is Louis Thoreau old? Is Louis Thoreau? No, uh, David Attenborough, sorry. David Attenborough. When David Attenborough oh, dies, yeah, I'm going to yeah. be very sad. But I Im- almost immediately I know that it'll be like, here's his voice doing another episode of uh, Nature. You know, it's just going to be there oh. instantly. And it's like, well, yeah. what does that mean for, like, people, you know? Like, if you can just be around forever, you know, like, these these personalities are probably going to become uh, immortal in, in a kind of way, right? Uh, I, so, so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but that's, like, the thing, right? They're not personalities. They're, like, husks. They're right. just... So, that they're... brings me on to the chat GPT. This is where it gets oh crazy. God. Oh <laughs> my god! You know this this episode kind of feels like a shambles, but I'm having a really good time. Good. Like all yeah. the, all this stuff is really interesting to it's me. Super interesting. Um, <laughs> and so this brings me on to ChatGPT. So with personality and stuff like that, I think this is probably not super close, but also inevitable. Um, mm, so mm. ChatGPT, and we might have mentioned it in a previous episode, is a chat generative pre-trained transformer. And a transformer is just a word for a piece of code that um is sort of self-learning it takes it takes okay. in tokens similar to this diffusion model and assigns meaning to them based on uh you know various aspects of the way that's been trained so right. um with chat gpt it's got this uh, the gpt part of it is um the pre-trained transformer and there's gpt 1 2 3 and 3.5 and these are basically the data sets uh the transformer information that's been used to train these gpt these um chat models and mm-hmm. um the they've all sort of had different applications and and different sort of users uses and so mm-hmm. like um gpt2 supposedly was really good at helping people with coding um gpt3 had this sort of like really broad knowledge set it was the biggest one that the biggest set of training data i think it had something like uh nine billion token data sets or token points i don't know how to how to describe but a huge number of um information uh pivot points that it could use to to write new things right and 3.5 is a little bit of a black box apparently it hasn't been released yet it's in the data set um it's just you know people can use chat gpt for free on the internet it's just there um right and so yeah these these chat models basically the way that they this is pretty layman's explanation here but the way that they work is that based on these data sets they predict the next word in the sentence that's all it is wow really yeah that seems so unsophisticated yeah for what it's able to produce. Yeah. 
So obviously it's answering the question, you know, you say like, Hey, can you code me a, uh, Maya, uh, FBX exporter for Unreal Engine? And it says, sure. And then puts a bunch of, bunch of code out, which is a little bit different to having a conversation with it. You can also have a conversation right. with it, which is what 3.5 is kind of amazing at, right? It's like, you can be, you can be like, Hey, uh, can you, um, tell me more about yourself? Can you tell me about like what, what's going on in America right now? What's going on in the UK? Uh, mm. and then ask them how they feel about that and what they think about it and what they think is going to happen in the future with all that sort of stuff. You can just like have a conversation. It's just like a totally, um, self-sufficient language model. So I feel like we're actually at the stage now where different forms of AI are passing the fuck the Turing test, yeah, yeah. right? Which is where you can mistake something that is AI as being human. Yeah. Um, and like, I've, I saw this happen with Phoebe the other day where like she was on TikTok and she was looking at like, um, Pokemon in studio Ghibli yeah, style. Yeah. And, and she's like, dude, look at this. And I was like, that's not real. And she was like, oh fuck, you're right. Yeah. And it was like an AI TikTok thing. And it was just like, fuck, she got tricked with art, like, yeah. fuck, yeah. you know, like, that's, uh, yeah, it's crazy that it's kind of, you know, it's a concept that we've talked about for fucking ages. I mean, I don't have, like, the history of the Turing test in front of me, but I feel like it's, you know, a good couple of decades old now. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy that it's here. Like, if, if, uh, if you put me like in a conversation with a stranger and it was just chat GPT, uh, GPT, I don't know if I'd be able to tell. Yeah. Maybe we should try it sometime. Like you you could basically say to chat GPT, Hey, I'm going to give you a, um, a set of parameters. Um, you're a stranger that I've just met on the street. You need to become, you need to appear as human as possible. Please don't break these constraints unless I tell Mm -hmm. you to do other otherwise. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you can basically hypnotize them into this state of being like something that they're not, um, people have used this for like creating, um, settings for D and D, um, as being like dungeon, little, uh, AI dungeon masters. Um, right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, if, as we were saying before about the, the, it's, it's like a husk. Well, mm. you know, if they have enough <laughs> trading data on the way that this person spoke and the sort of style, of the things that they said, you could theoretically mm-hmm. create a version of them that's driven by a chat GPT and, um, and have them right. speak to you, <laughs> which is pretty oh. crazy. <laughs> which is fucked, but it's still a husk because yeah, you can't it's never gonna access... Be the same. Right, you can't access their thoughts that inform what they say. You can yeah. only ever access what they've said. Um, and that's like a tiny beacon of hope, yeah. you know, that like your personality can't completely be replicated yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, fucking wild. So I've got a couple of things here regarding um, chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Can, I, uh, can I lightning round them? Absolutely. Um, so there's been, I don't know if you follow, but in Australia, there's been like this big thing around, uh, high schools and universities panicking around chat GPT because you can just ask it to spit out an essay about, you know, Nelson Mandela and see, you know, what it comes up with and like maybe edit it a bit and you've done your 3000 word essay in 10 minutes. Yep. 
Um, and so Sam Altman, the CEO of ChatGPT, um, responded to, to some concerns from schools and he said, uh, we adapted to calculators and changed what we tested in maths class. And um, this is one of those scary moments for me where, you know, some, like the person responsible for the presence of chat GPT seems fucking super ignorant about (laughs) like the impact that it's going to have. And it kind of reminded me of this podcast series called Deeper Down the Rabbit Hole, which... Um, was basically a case study on people that would go down YouTube spirals and change their political leaning from right. left to alt-right. Yeah. Um, and it was it's a really interesting podcast series. I can't remember who it's produced by, but as part of the series, they had um, PewDiePie uh, interviewed. Yeah. And um, I haven't really seen PewDiePie since, like, we were in a share house together. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. it's been a very long time since I've had my finger on that pulse. And when he was being interviewed and he was being asked specific questions, like, I don't know if you remember a couple of years back um, when there was a shooting in New Zealand Mm -hmm. and the shooter recorded themselves and they said, subscribe to PewDiePie at the start. Oh, God, yeah. Um, And hearing PewDiePie talk about that incident he just seemed so immature right like it was kind of scary how it seemed like he didn't realize the impact he had on people yeah you know like when he says stuff he says it to like tens of millions of people (laughs) and it was like he didn't realize that and that's the kind of um vibe i got from the ceo where they're like you know, like you were saying before, the rabbit's out of the hat now. Like, the world has to adapt. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, fuck, that's, um, that's, that's not really very comforting coming from the person who is, like, partly responsible for all of this. Yeah. So, um, this gets into, like, a little bit of, like, Metal Gear-style territory, right? Where you've got, <laughs> like, AIs basically running the world. Um, so I'm I'm really glad uh, you're unfeeling and none of this uh, causes <laughs> you anxiety because we are so deep down that rabbit hole right now. <laughs> I will bring it back to games. Um, <laughs> from as I said, I would. I haven't done it yet, but we. I would. Um, yeah, because it's like um, you know, at, at a certain point, someone's going to have created an AI that's powerful enough to be able to do a lot of you know forward prediction. And, mm-hmm. and have almost like the ability to tell the future, right? Like you can say, okay, what's what's actually going to happen in China and how can we prevent it? And then you can sell those ideas to China, right? Or you could be like, right. you know, get to the point where the AI itself can, you know, help you in such a way that no one actually ever finds out that you've got this tool, you know? Like it's, it's that, right. that style. It's like almost like sci-fi, right? Like you can't... You, the genie will never come out of the bottle and no one's ever going to know about it because it's just that good. Right. Uh, and you'll just so sort of I've... go under, you know, sort of, uh, what do they call them? The Patriots or whatever? Like, no one knows about the Patriots, <laughs> yeah. but they're this ruling, you know, class. Of, the shadow, shadow government or whatever it's called. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, given, given instructions by ultimate AI. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Anyway. So I've got a cool word for you mm-hmm. that 
can describe what AI is like before that happens. Yep. So it's it's used to describe things like um, horse racing and stuff, but stochastic means something that has a data set that can be analysed and scrutinised, but you cannot use it to accurately predict what will happen in the future. Yeah, right. So I, f- I feel like AI is a stochastic right now, yeah. kind of like horse racing, where like you can look at all the data for the horse and what they've eaten and the ground that they run best on and if it's been raining and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but you can't predict. actually accurately predict something with yeah. that information. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's where we are now and it's come up real quick. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> like you say, like, I mean, how soon? How soon until... And will we ever you know? know like all financial advice is automated by AI. Right. So th- that's already become uh, a huge part of it, right? Like the health and even law parts of this are being like, okay, well, do we actually need this many GPs? Like we can plug this person's or, or you know, an entire society's uh, health information into this AI and, uh, and they're going to be able to do consultations for people en masse, free, uh, giving them better consultation or better information than any GP could have. And, and so Jesus we're kind of like Christ. hit that point already a little bit. There's been trials of this sort of thing happening. Um, How did this happen so quickly? I feel like we're in a movie, right? You yeah. know, like derealization is setting in for me right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I think 2023 is going to be be the year where a lot of this stuff crops up, and then like 2024 and 25 is going to be like the fallout, where it's like, well, we actually have a lot of uh, you know ethical worms to untangle. Uh, Fuck. What, what did I say? Maybe we should start that business that I was talking about a couple of eps back where you, like, get a vasectomy in a, in a cabin in the woods. It's like a comedy Yeah, deal. yeah, yeah. It, it does give me that feeling a little bit. But I, I was thinking about this as, on my drive home last night. I was like, fuck, I'm kind of glad that I'm alive to see this shit happen. You know, like, a bunch of people died at the last of the while. <laughs> and, like, they didn't get to see this crazy thing. Like, this is crazy. This is... <laughs> what what yeah. we're seeing in real time is pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily all positive. Uh, and there's some, like I said, uh, ethical worms that will probably have to be untangled. But yeah, uh, the the movie Her comes to mind, like having a personal assistant that lives in oh. your ear uh, that is tailored to, you know, your particular personality style that helps you get you get through your day. Uh, you know, is pretty beautiful, pretty crazy, beautiful movie. Yeah. Um, and and I think it it goes that step further, right? Because mm. like at at that point in the movie, like the Turing test is well and truly over, oh, yeah, yeah. and like it explores falling love, falling in love yeah. with an AI, which is like, you know, that just doesn't feel that far off for us, no. honestly. Yeah, I I think once people have sort of you know got their or the people who are creating Chat GPT get their head around a lot of the, you know, bugs in the system, stuff that seems to crop up. The personal assistant stuff, I think, is really close. I think, mm, um, mm-hmm. you know, Google, the next thing Google does, I, I, like Microsoft has already done like AI-infused teams where like the AI will listen to your meetings and create, um, you know, planners and other meetings based off of the things that people say in said meeting. Oh, um, Jesus. So, oh, you can say, you know, give me a summary of that meeting and it will spit something out for you. You can say, hey, what did Sarah say in the meeting? And it'll tell you. Um, so that is already being rolled out by Microsoft. So I'm just kind of waiting to see what Google does. It'll probably be some form of assistant, I think. Um, oh my God. So anyway, back to video games. Oh. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's a, it, it has implications for video games in the near future. Um, I, I think already like at my studio, we use um, AI to generate ideas, visual ideas. Um, none of the stuff Can... makes it into the final product, just so you know, but, um, right. It's... Could you give an example? Yeah, sure. So, um, I can try. So for the instance of a area, let's just say, um, uh, one of the early areas in the game will plug, mm-hmm. uh, our, our creative director, Johnny will plug a bunch of stuff into stable diffusion and basically leave it on overnight for a couple of weeks and then sift through all of the images and pick out the top 10, basically out of thousands. And then Whoa. we'll use those top 10 to help inform the decisions that we make about the kind of kinds of things that are going to be in the specific area. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's like a visual language um, conversation starter. Yeah. It's kind of like a brainstorming session but like it's a pre-brainstorming session if that makes sense it's like um you know like in in any project where like you need to overcome something or design something and like you tell people that there's an upcoming meeting and you want them to bring some ideas yeah it sounds like that it's just replacing that step so you can have the meeting and some like pre-conceptual ideas are already there for you to comment on yeah it's it's sort of it's a little bit sad but i think it's really replaced a lot of concept art it's like Mm. you know we could have our concept artist who's our concept artist has moved on to doing pretty much all 3d stuff now they went from like 2d artist to 3d almost overnight wow Um, and yeah a lot of the ideation and like concept inventing comes through um ai and the stuff that can't have that done, we do it ourselves, obviously. There's, there has been things like that. And I think that's where the sort of the rub hits the road a little bit with the argument for having AI-generated video games is that mm. I think a lot of the stuff that gets made with games can have a little bit of use of AI. Like, you can use it to, like, write you a little tool or automate a little process. Um, but it's not nearly at the point of, you know, creating a, a full set of character animations for a stylized character. Mm. Um especially one that's doing really unique or different things um, outside of just moving around. Um, Mm. I don't even really find it as a useful jumping off point. Maybe other people who've done a lot of, you know, motion capture might find that to be the case, but um, there is a tool that exists currently called Cascader, which is a animation software that uses uh, AI to do something called pose prediction. So you'd be like moving the character around and normally in animation, you spend quite a while, you know, if you move a, an arm, the torso has to rotate and the head has to be angled correctly and the foot might move and all that stuff mm-hmm. is done manually. However, in Cascada, they, you, the pose, with pose prediction, you can move the arm and the other arm and torso and head and, and feet will move in respect to their idea of what that pose is supposed to look at, look like based on training data. Right, I see. So like rather than animate one limb at a time, you can animate one Nobody. limb and four limbs will be yeah. animated. Yeah, right. yeah, they'll be posed. Um, yeah, based on based on what it believes is like you know where the center of gravity is and the angle mm. of the spine and all that sort of stuff, which is all you know being fed info by the by the AI, which is pretty cool. Um, I when I see it being done, like when I see it being used, I'm like I couldn't think of anything worse because it's it's almost like you're driving and there's someone who's like changing gears for you, or every now and then they're like take the wheel and be like, ah, how about this way. 
you know, like, or what's another analogy? <laughs> like you're trying to like draw a picture and someone also has the pen on the paper and they're like filling in the blanks as you're trying to draw. It's like kind of maddening. Right. Um, yeah. I hate the idea that I have to babysit something while I'm working um, or that it's trying to predict what I'm going to do when I, I only, I know what I'm going to do, you know, like, I don't oh really. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. do you, what if determinism is real, Joseph? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So that, that stuff is there. I, I think, like I said, I think it's still kind of not an, an immediate or near future risk for, for video games. I think it's like got its finger on in in the pie you know there's like a little bit of stuff happening but we're not full-blown pie fisting here it's it's gonna be a while <laughs> we're not full-blown pie fisting yeah. everyone yeah that's right not not yet yeah not yet but fuck if any if i've learned anything from this podcast it's gonna be fucking soon like it's not yeah <laughs> it's 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 not long until the uh the pies are gonna be full-blown yeah I, I think it comes back to that sort of like um thing that, we, that I mentioned before about the whole uh, human need for gratification uh, aspect mm-hmm. of it, where it's like, okay, well, you've now got an AI that can create infinite video games, but like, what's the point if there's infinite, you know, like, and, and what if they're all good? Like, what's, what does that mean? Do you know, like, yeah, what happens? I mean, okay. So if I can uh, criticize something I said in the past, mm-hmm. we were talking about working conditions at um, video game studios and, um, I said something like, you know, I would, I would happily play bad video games if they were all produced in like healthy environments for the workers at the studio. And like, what if in reality, the future is actually all the video games are bad, but humans aren't involved at all. You know, like (laughs) that's, that's, I feel like fate has taken what I said and been like, oh, so that's how you feel, huh? <laughs> like, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I think people were like, initially when AI came around, they were like, oh, it's going to be used to like drive trucks or like automate processes or whatever. It's not going to, it's never going to do art. And then like the first thing it did was create art. Um, and so maybe <laughs> yeah. I'll be eating my words here a little bit, but I think video games, the creation of them is, is such an intricate process it's really hard to describe. It's it's almost like a bunch of people all weaving the same rug, you know? Like, it's really mm, like you can't mm. just, like, set one part of it on autopilot, like, because uh, otherwise you'll get one of those, like, 3D printed, you know, bird nests. It's just like... Right, you, yeah. It all sort of needs to go together in this really, like, uh, intricate and, and like, skill-based way. Uh, maybe I'm not using the right words there, but it... It's yeah, it's it's really complicated. It's really hard to describe, and I think that's also just because of the fact that it's that it's that complicated. And there's parts of it that are like that constantly need to be redone and refactored. And I don't know, mm. like you know, like um, even in the game that, game that I'm working on right now, like we've changed like core direction like a few times. It's like mm. what happens when like. I don't like. I just don't see like an AI like coming up with an idea like pivoting based on some notion, <laughs> and then mm. like pivoting again based on a completely different notion, and then creating something new. Like it just seems like so. It would just like hey, make me a game that's like about X Y Z, and it just goes and and does that one thing. I don't know. Right. There's this like, iter- like iterative process to it that is kind of unique, I think, to, to humans. Yeah, and I I agree with all of that, but. 
video games are very new mm. for humans, you know? Like, sure, the first video game was, like, nearly 70 years ago, but, like, video games have only been in the mainstream for, like, 30, 35 years. Mm. Um, and that's just, like, when you look at the last 250,000 years and leaving the caves and all that kind of shit, like, 35 years is nothing. Yeah. And AI at this level has only been around for, like, a year. Yeah. So I just feel like right now you're 100%, 100% right. Like the amount of creative input that only a human can provide is just going to stop AI in its tracks when it comes to, you know, huge creative projects like making a video game. Mm. But like in a hundred years, yeah, I mean... Yeah, anything's yeah, possible. I just... true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I'm I'm not excited about the stuff that AI does to will do to games. I think it's at a pretty good place currently. Like I think there's like I said the ideation, the the generative stuff that you can sort of just churn out on mass um mm. and then use to like selectively pick the best bits. I think that's pretty okay. Um yeah. I think it's not good that it's being used being like the training data was not ethically sourced. I think that's obviously a problem. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what the implications are going forward. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think um, I'm not sure about the sort of stuff that I'm going to, that like, okay, the first AI generated video game, like what is that going to look like? And I'm not sure I'm actually entirely interested, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, uh, it's, it's almost it, like it, I'm willfully blind. I'm not like but wanting you, to see it. You might find it comforting. Like sometimes yeah. it's it's comforting. Like, um, have you have you seen the endless Seinfeld episode? Oh, I was gonna mention that. I forgot about that. Yes, I have. I watched it a little bit of it the other day. Right. So it's been streaming for coming up on two months. <laughs> um, and it's hilarious. Yeah. Like it's extremely funny, but it's funny because of how bad it is. Yeah. And, and it's comforting. It's comforting, like, after everything we've talked about, um, to, to watch an AI animate, write, voice act, you know, pace, like, do everything yeah. and just see it totally fall flat on its face. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's extremely satisfying because you're like, oh, thank fuck. You know, we're not there yet. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if if, like, especially if you just need to feel good after all this... AI craziness. It's called Nothing Forever, and it's on Twitch, and it's just it never ends, and it's what extremely entertaining. Name. Oh my god, that name's so beautiful. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's that like you know Babushka narrative where like Seinfeld was originally pitched show about as nothing. a show about nothing, yeah. and then in season four that was a character arc where Jerry pitches a show about nothing as Jerry Seinfeld in his show called yeah. Seinfeld, which is a show about nothing. Yeah. And now there's an AI making fun of that. The babushka just gets larger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was sort of thinking about that this morning. It was like, Oh, well, if they can do infinite Seinfeld, maybe they could do like infinite Mario where it's like just AI generated Mario level forever. And you could just run forever. Jesus. That could be interesting to see. Um, so Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know how you want to end this episode. Ugh, um, do I. But I do have a quote here from Nick Cave. Sure. So, um, with the rise of, of um, chatbot, 
uh, a bunch of people have apparently been sending Nick Cave um, the results of prompts being like, you know, Nick Cave song mm-hmm. or lyrics by Nick Cave, and they've been sending it to him. Um, and he had this great article on like the ABC or something. Um, um, can I just quickly before you, because I would love to end off on that quote. I have one last thing yeah. I would like to say. Uh, and I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, I, I think with the proliferation of all this sort of stuff and the um, opinions of the masses coming in, it's always, it's it's actually really, really reassuring to me to see uh, the way artists have adapted and it's also like the the part of it that I think is really beautiful is that it's reignited the love of the process, like this right. this part of like humans that actually loves to that that enjoys the process of doing something of creating mm. something. And I think that mm. is maybe if if there's like a little message to be had at the end of this podcast from me is that it's not about you know like getting the getting the picture or getting the video game or having the the voice actor come through it after they're dead or whatever mm-hmm. it's about mm-hmm. like the process of getting there <laughs> you know like mm, it's right. you're, you're like instant gratification is always going to be present and um especially with all of this ai stuff it's just going to become more and more present and so um yeah, just remember, <laughs> just remember that that the process is is probably the juiciest bit. How the fuck did you not like Kentucky Route Zero? I mean, what is wrong with you? You are Kentucky Route Zero. <laughs> I will go back. Don't worry, it's on the backlog. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. Agree. Hundred mm. percent. Yeah. Anyway, hit me with that Nick Cage quote, and we'll uh, round it out. All right, so um, I've just taken a very small excerpt. Sure. Highly recommend you go and read the article because he's just a beautiful, eloquent, poetic man. Mm. Um, and so he is responding to what it's like as a songwriter to have his own work spat back at him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Songs arise out of suffering by which I mean they are predicated upon the complex internal human struggle of creation and, well, as far as I know, algorithms don't feel. Data doesn't suffer. Chat GPT has no inner being. It has been nowhere. It has endured nothing. It has had not the audacity to reach beyond its limitations, and hence it doesn't have the capacity for a shared transcendent experience, as it has no limitations from which to transcend. ChatGPT's melancholy role is that it is destined to imitate and can never have an authentic human experience, no matter how devalued and inconsequential the human experience may in time become. Beautiful. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's what I was trying to say with my ramblings, but yeah, <laughs> that's basically... Oh, I mean, really... it's cheating to just yeah. fucking start quoting Nick Cave, but I did no, think yeah, he yeah. did a really great job of just, like, compressing yes. that, like, a lot of the human condition rises from suffering. Yeah. And yeah. it's something that Jat GPT cannot experience. Yeah, totally. I think on the flip side of that, I mean, it's 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 always fun and romantic to point at um, suffering as the up the you know the, the wellspring from which beautiful stuff comes. But I think joy and pleasure and you know 
love can also be a wellspring for the creation of really cool stuff too so just putting that uh, out there it's not all suffering 100%, that brings 100%. the good shit uh, yeah, yeah yeah but come on it's like uh, we're quoting Nick Cage yeah, I know, quote I know. Vincent Van Gogh <laughs> like you're not gonna find those fucking euphoric I'm a very jubilant man yeah I learned a lot from love this coming from the person who's like the the fiery hellscape doesn't make me feel much (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah 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 kicked off this podcast with like some nihilistic like it doesn't make me feel anything therefore it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah yeah just be happy that's the main thing anyway um that's it that's it bro that's it that's all she wrote this was a lot of fun yeah juicy app i told you i was excited for it yeah hell yeah yeah. i wonder like do we have enough episodes of it's almost the weekend to put through an ai to produce an episode (laughs) dude there's gotta be like an audio like a free audio transcription thing where i could just like throw all the wabs into it and would like rip all of the text out and then you could probably plug it into chat gpt and say hey can you make me an episode of this show based on this data probably oh oh my god i feel like it would be so funny and like so intimidating because yeah. like i feel like whenever ai produces something like it you know it tries to copy something it's kind of like a parody yeah at the same time of trying to be genuine yeah that would be very funny to see yeah let's not do that all right <laughs> have a good time everyone <laughs> have a good weekend <laughs> bye. yeah bye <laughs> we're leaving bye